Yeah, see, I have the checklist, and I didn't even do a good job here. <laughs> Press record. Okay. It's one of the big ones. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can you state your name and what you do? Uh, my name is Kate Gregory, and I have a little consulting company. And we do various things for people needing help, usually C++. Hello, and welcome to Co-Recursive. I'm Adam Gordon-Bell. Kate, I think, is underselling herself there. She's more like a famous C++ guru. You know, nobody wants to be a commodity, a cog in a wheel. You know, I uh, have a very particular set of skills, as they say. Um, and not everybody <laughs> needs them. That's fine. But if you need what I can do, then we're going to talk. Kate usually goes on podcasts or to conferences to talk about C++ standards or resource acquisition mistakes or, or various minutiae of C++. I, I don't really know. I don't really understand modern C++. I, I took a class in C++ once and, and I did fairly well, but I remember thinking like, this is really complicated and I hope I never hear about deconstructors again. Anyways, <laughs> today she's going to share some high level advice. For most of her career, giving advice like this would make her kind of nervous. Yes. I don't have any numbers. I don't have any research. And maybe everyone knows this. Yeah, and, I'm yeah. just, and I'm just wasting their time saying, you know, if you wear shoes, they protect your feet from sharp stones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it does take a little bravery to say, I think I got something to offer here that, that people would like. Kate is not wasting our time today. I, I promise you that. But I get why she has that fear that if she's not talking about like the minutia of the new module system in C++ or, or how coroutines are going to work or, or whatever, that there's less value in that. Um, I don't think that's the case, though. The source of her bravery um, today is sadly not a pleasant one. Um. I, I was sick. I was really sick. And for a long time, I didn't, I didn't realize how sick I was. And um, by the time we figured it out, they told me I had stage four melanoma. Okay. And so the surgeon had nothing to do uh, because there was, there was tumors all through my lungs and all through my liver and two different places in my spine. So surgery doesn't work for that. Radiation doesn't work for that. Chemo doesn't work for melanoma. So chemo wasn't a choice. And uh, I told my family not to Google it because... It's awful. It's like uh, 5% survival. It's, it's really awful. One of the things I was doing uh, when I was deteriorating was I was writing down everything I could think of. And I was writing down advice for the kids. I mean, they were, they were young adults. Um, and I hadn't told them everything. And I started writing it down. So today, Kate is going to share with us some of the things that she wrote down when she was facing her terminal diagnosis. I'm not Barbara Walters. I don't really have the skill set for interviewing somebody about facing terminal cancer, but, but Kate's going to make it pretty easy. She has five pieces of advice. Each one has a pithy catchphrase, and then she's going to explain how you would apply that advice to your career as a software developer. And I think her advice all combined together you know, will help you to build a remarkable career for yourself which I think Kate has definitely done. We start with her first piece of advice, which is use the scented soaps. If I have this right, when you got cancer, you were really mad about scented soaps. Yeah, right. so this, this is true. Um, you know, people give you soaps, right? And I like scented soaps and bubble bath and all those things. Everybody, I think, does. But if you have a brand new unopened scented soap and there's an open bar of regular soap, you don't open the scented soap, you got to use up the regular soap. And 
you know, there was never a good time to open it. So I was always just using regular soap while there were like five bars of scented soap in my drawer. And then so that one day that was like, I'm never going to use this soap that I've been saving for a better time. And then, you know, I realized that there's no like soap police who come to your house if you have two bars of soap open at once and say, what are you doing using the grapefruit when there's perfectly good ivory right there? <laughs> uh, so I opened the soap, <laughs> you know, and it was a little thing, but it was a nice thing. Every time I washed my hands, it was a, it was a nice smell and a little, a little joy in a, in a tough day. And I thought, there's a lot of things in this world that there's no good reason why you're not doing them. You know, um, people say, oh man, I wish I had a blog. Like, um, you go to this website and you click here, 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 and here, and you have a blog. Like there's no, again, there's no test. There's no blog authorities who say, well, your topic isn't serious enough or your entries are too long or whatever the complaint might be like. If you, you want to have a blog, well, have a blog. And um, there's a lot of things like that where we just don't let ourselves do things and wander around wishing we could do them uh, for no good reason. So I wanted to tell people, uh, use the scented soap. Outside of the, the washing your hands, like what else did you feel constrained by? Is there professional constraints that were pretend? Uh, certainly I have in the past felt like I, I can't have a blog or I can't submit to that conference or I, uh, I can't go learn this other thing. Um, why, why not? You know, uh, there's only so many hours in a day and you can deliberately choose and say, I would rather spend my evenings with my family, uh, or I'd rather spend my weekends, you know, working on my house. That's cool. But if you really, really want to do a thing, you don't need anybody's permission to learn most things, to try most things. There's lots of conference talks you can watch or online material you can consume. So you can't just decide that you're a doctor, right? But you, yeah. but you can decide that you're Thankfully. a Ruby programmer if that's important to you. Um, so why not? Why not start doing the things that it's making? If it's upsetting you that you're not doing it. If it isn't, like if you hate scented soap and you wish no one ever gave you any, uh, throw it all out and stop owing it an obligation. That's this. You know, I also threw a lot of stuff out. I just <laughs> I was like, I'm never using this. I don't know why I kept it. And I was throwing it out so someone else wouldn't have to say, maybe this meant a lot to mom. She's kept it for 20 years. I threw it out. Um, <laughs> and, and so same thing. Like if, if, if you don't know how to, I don't know, be a C++ programmer and you think I'm, I'm never gonna, that's fine too. But don't carry around the wish that you could do a thing that no one's actually stopping you from doing. Make a choice. All right. So first piece of advice, use the scented soaps. Don't be constrained by constraints that don't actually exist. Second tip slash life lesson, learn to breathe underwater. Yeah. So you, you can't breathe in underwater. <laughs> I'm not superhuman at all. <laughs> but if you breathe out underwater, which you probably know if you took swimming lessons when you were five, but I didn't. Uh, if you breathe out underwater, then you only have to lift your, lift your head up out of the water long enough to get air in. And so that minimizes uh, the amount of time you have to hold your head up out of the water, which saves you from having a sore neck. But, I mean, also metaphorically, you, you get maximum value out of a little window when you're able to do a thing. It ties into your constraints because you're like, maybe I, can, I can't record a video on the plane, but I can write on the plane. So Yes, yeah. exactly. Some lesser thing. It's not your top priority, but it's a thing. That needs to be done. And if you do it now, then when you have your clear time, you'll be able to work on your top priority. 
Like I assume because this is a lesson that this is something that you that you struggled with. I, I think of I think of an awful lot of conversations, work conversations that should have happened that that took literally days extra to happen because I had an op- <clears throat> because I had an opportunity that I let go by and and then the window closed unexpectedly or or let's say you get stuck on a phone call or something else happens. And the situation gets worse because you let it get worse. And then so now you really don't want to have the conversation and, and all of those things. But the problem doesn't go away, right? So I, I, I would say probably 30-some years ago when I, when I had a baby to worry about sleeping, that's when I, I learned this and, and it's stood me in good stead ever since. So when I think about 30-plus years younger me, that person missed a lot of opportunities because, well, I'll do it in an hour. And in an hour, you, you know, the conditions may not be there for you to do it. So do it while you can. Another way to frame this piece of advice is sleep while the baby's asleep, which is some advice that Kate wrote down to share with her daughter. There's certain things you can only do at a certain time. So sleeping, if there's no other adult in your house and there's a small baby in your house, you can only do it if the baby is asleep. Other things are more difficult with the baby, but they're not impossible. And sleeping is impossible. You either need another adult or the baby needs to be asleep. And so if the baby goes to sleep, drop everything, go to sleep. You can do all that other stuff. Don't waste a whole nap. Like catching up on Twitter, that's very foolish. Nice. So let's see, what what is the next, uh, what's the next of your tips? Focus uh, on the positive? Yes, yes. This one I think I learned more on a professional level before I learned it personally. You know, just... Some people complain a lot and uh, think that life is unfair and stacked against them. And some people are happier and they seem to have the same situations, you know? And so it's, it started for me with things like, well, you can choose who to go to lunch with. You can choose who to walk down for a coffee with. And if you're going to walk down for a coffee with someone who the whole way down is going to be like, oh, I can't believe this project. These people are morons. They don't know what they want. We shouldn't even be doing this for them. They don't deserve our time. Don't have as good a a coffee break as if you walk down with someone who's like, I'm glad we finally got them to understand what we need for this and we can make some progress now. Have a happier day. (laughs) I mean, some people really enjoy the process of reflecting on how other people are morons, though. (laughs) (laughs) They do. You know what I mean? They do. And it's like, you're welcome to do got a whole internet for that. What does focus on the positive mean to you? Even in a really horrible day, you know, um, little things happen. You you fix a bug. Your code compiled. Uh, you get an email that says, yes, you're right. Uh, you get an email that says, thank you. Uh, you remember to send an email that says, thank you. Like, there's there's probably 50 nice things, even in a really awful day. There was five or six nice things, even in a day when I was lying in a hospital bed. You know, nice things happen whether you notice them or not and a lot of them they don't change like the sunset is no different whether one person's looking at it or a million or none it still just does its thing and it's the case with most of these nice things like if someone sends you an email that says you were right and you just sort of angrily say well of course it was took you long enough uh to yourself but don't answer them like that has no impact on them at all right it's only on your on you but if you just kind of stop for a minute and go yeah that's me i'm right I knew it, you know, that can, that can take you a long way. And so I just look for things like that. They're, they're like forces of nature. They're things that are just happening. It's up to you to notice them or not. 
if you notice the good ones, you have a better day. If you sit around noticing all the bad ones, you have a crummy day. Yeah, I like the sentiment. I think uh, like sometimes like, I have to give myself like a mental like woohoo. And sometimes it's like an air punch or something. That's right. If it's like... <laughs> Attaboy. It can be, yeah, <laughs> it can be for something stupid. But yeah, like something wasn't working and I, and I figured out what the problem was. It's just like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like you got to... Just like like 30 seconds of I am not completely incompetent. I actually do know how to do some of this. And and that's good. I'm doing I'm doing stuff I'm good at. So that's nice because you you can't miss the parts where you're not doing it well. You know, you make stupid stupid mistakes and and you waste an hour on something that any beginner would have would have seen. You you don't forget those in a hurry. Those stick with you. So focusing yeah. on the good ones too kind of balances it out. It helps that I work here, though. Or maybe it makes it worse. But if I jump up in the air and like get excited about something, nobody notices, right? Yeah, that's, I don't that's have the to work from home trick. You can actually get up and like do a ha- complete happy dance if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the, work, you know, in the office, people would have to ask me what, and I'd have to admit that it was just some missing semicolon or something that I found. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> to say focus on the positive, celebrate your wins, it can sound a little trite. That doesn't mean it's not true, but another way Kate says to think about this tip is to recognize that these, these might be the good old days. So it's a line from a song. Maybe Carly Simon. Can't be sure. Um, But you know, whatever you're living right now is a time that you or someone else will look back on and say, oh man, remember that? You know, uh, the negative version of it is you never know when you're living in a golden age. I, I joined the conference speaker circuit at a time when money was just flowing like wine, when it'd fly you places to do like a one-hour talk, and oh, of course, you know, we'll send you business class, no problem. Uh, would you like to stay an extra four days so you can, you know, enjoy some sightseeing? We'll take care of it all. And um, and literally, you know, people's assistants were, were also being flown with them. And I had all these friends who I only saw if we both got on planes. It was fantastic. <laughs> it didn't last, you know, the, the tech rec came along and the conference budgets and marketing budgets uh, went down dramatically, but it sure was fun. And there, you, you don't know what it is about right now that you'll look back on. Even this crazy pandemic work from home lockdown thing, there's a lot of negatives, but I bet you five, 10, 20 years from now, there'll be someone going, oh man, remember 2020? And they'll be positive about Maybe something that you don't even know what it is yet, but this is someone's good old days. No, very true. Yeah, you never think of it at the time. It's always like in retrospect. You're like, yeah. oh, that was a good, that was a good experience. Yeah. Probably, like, I don't know, that you probably had frustrations in the heyday of conference speaking. Like, you probably didn't look at it as this is the, the golden times of no. speaking. No, we didn't. We would be, we'd be in a restaurant somewhere and just, I don't know, be complaining that it was crowded and noisy instead of going, can you believe we're all in Barcelona? Like, this is, this is so (laughs) nice. (laughs) All right. So remember that these might be the good old days. The next tip that Kate has for us is to build yourself a support system and, and use it. Especially in programming and especially in C++ programming, we're kind of an old community. We have this kind of a robot persona. You know, <laughs> we don't do feelings. We don't need help. We're all, I don't know, like not just tough guys, but like, you know, Clint Eastwood in a cowboy movie, tough guy, you know, <laughs> and we don't need people. 
and we don't need friends and we don't need cheerleaders. That's it's nonsense, right? Like we're people. We're technical people. We know stuff. We love to show off and we love to help. And that's the truth about everybody technically. So if you have a technical problem, you don't have to lock yourself in a room for 12 hours until you solve it. You may be embarrassed to ask a coworker, but if you give the coworker the gift of asking them and then they help you in 30 seconds, like they feel fantastic. They're having their punch the air moment like, oh yeah, I got <laughs> asked and I knew. And meanwhile, you've saved all those hours of time, you know, and you're productive and amazing and you hit your deadlines and all the things that bosses care about. And if it's just too awful to give that gift to a coworker, then you can ask on Stack Overflow or you can join a specialized Slack or Discord. Yeah. Do you personally feel like you're afraid to like reach out to people for support as like a professional developer? No. I mean, I've asked questions on Stack Overflow, especially if it's something that it's not my thing. It'd be difficult for me to ask a C++ question. Uh, I actually wrote a course on Stack Overflow and I set up a second account with almost no reputation so that I could record the process of asking a question. And I asked a C++ question and like 50 people commented, Kate Gregory would never ask this question. <laughs> they were trying to like report the imposter. It was quite funny. Um, but I'll, but I'll ask like, uh, when I started using discord, the default emojis were all nasty. They were all like <laughs> poop and vomit and, and just dead, dead face and all that. And like, I'm on Discord and I'm all hearts and cake and uh, sunshine, literally fireworks, parties. And I wanted all this yuck out of my face because this is what I mean about focusing on the positive, right? If every time you type colon, you get offered poop and vomit and dead face, that's that's not a nice moment in your day. And so I asked on, uh, I think, Super User and someone told me, eh, it's an Electron app, hit F12, edit the JSON, which I could do. And ta-da, all the gross stuff is gone, and the, the question has got a lot of views. There's a lot of people who want to do that. So I will absolutely ask for support. Um, if I have a tricky C++ question, yeah, I'll come to include because I know that no one's going to mock me for not knowing. Yeah, I feel like, like I guess Stack Overflow is working to get better. I found like it's a, it's a harsh environment, especially if you have a new account and you like ask something. and then. Uh, so it, it is, first of all, harsh. Someone asks a question and they got all this rambly stuff like it's a internet recipe. You know, I remember the first time I visited my aunt in France and we were trying to compile a simple program. And so you delete all that and you're just like, here's the actual question. And people are like, who did that? Well, especially if they say thanks. The, the culture of Stack Overflow is no hi, no thanks, no I would really appreciate. <laughs> Rip it all out. People are like, you made me a robot. And then again, we're back to that, you know, programmer culture thing. Um, so there's a lot of things that, that Stack Overflow is deliberately being mean. They want you to feel hurt. They want to hurt your feelings. Then there's another whole category of things where they don't think they're being mean, but they're hurting your feelings anyways. And so, yeah, it can add up to a tough place. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it makes me think of what you were saying about like the, the curmudgeon C++ developer stereotype, right? It's like, don't say hi. Like, this is a permanent document. Nobody wants to see your hi in the future, right? It's like, <laughs> exactly. So Stack Overflow is maybe not the support system that that you want. One way Kate looked to build a support system for herself is her involvement in the Include CPP community, which is a global, inclusive, diverse community for developers interested in C++. After she 
got rid of some of her clients because of her diagnosis, it freed up some of her time to dedicate to this community. Uh, and other clients, to be fair, I hadn't fired them. I had just told them, I can't work on your stuff for at least six months and, and maybe never if I die. So you should really find someone who can work on your stuff. So I had more free time and that let me kind of throw myself into it. And then we had a very virtuous cycle where as soon as anybody heard about us, they're like, yeah, that's a great idea. C++ has this problem and I'd like to fix it. I'm not like that. I'm not the curmudgeon in the corner. The people who join include CBP. They, they primarily hang out on a Discord channel chatting with each other. So, for example, you know, someone asks a question and they can be confident they won't be called names or told they should have Googled it or, you know, there's a nice atmosphere. Uh, and there's a lot of moderators behind that nice atmosphere that make sure of it. But yeah, most of the people who join the server, they, they're not trying to make C++ community any different than it is. They're just happy to have found a nice corner of it. And that's great. We made a thing, you know. Um, the group does other things as well that I'm really proud of. We send people to conferences. Um, if you've never been to a technical conference in your field, you know, it's life-changing. Uh, especially if there's some folks to take you under their wing. Make sure you get a ticket to the speaker dinner, introduce you to... Oh, I don't know, the guy who invented the language, you know, little things like that. <laughs> and um, we're up uh, above two dozen now, people who we've covered their travel, their hotel, their conference admission is usually donated by the conference. We fundraise for the rest and we send them to a conference and give them a huge career boost. Oh, that's awesome. Like you must have recognized a problem or something to, to create this. Or... So the problem has been around forever, you know. Uh, we have young people, really, truly. <laughs> um, but many of them are learning from that curmudgeon at the next desk, right? So we have a, a culture that is noticeably different from some other languages' cultures. And it's a shame. It's not a great culture. It doesn't bring out the best in the people who are in it. Some of it is that culture of like, you know, we don't show emotions, we don't get happy, we don't get mad, uh, we don't trust each other. Uh, we are we are objective and and it's all about the code, which is like just not true. But some of it is about um, a culture of what swear words you choose, right? If if when you're angry at the compiler, you you call it increasingly rude versions of woman. The woman next to you does not really enjoy that moment very much, right? Um, uh, if your swear words are all about rude words for gay men, the closeted gay man next to you is never going to uncloset around you. Um, and we pass all that on. You know, the 20-year-old the with green hair in the corner is learning how we express ourselves in this group. And uh, sometimes it's, it's really completely blatant. I mean, I've watched any number of 20-something earnest men tell me why women don't like programming. Just, they just don't like it. And I'm like, really? That's, that's a fascinating observation <laughs> based on your many years of being a woman and knowing what we like. Um, and, and they have this lovely circular argument where there's like, well, there aren't very many women programmers because women don't like programming, which you can tell because how few of them are programmers. Mm. Like, it didn't actually prove anything. So, yeah. And it's tricky. Like, I don't know. Like, obviously I'm not. Uh, a woman but um if you're um it's hard to be the only woman on a team i imagine or the only man on a team or the only is the only anything the only one yeah. in the room yep it's constraining right and you're sort of representing the team so someone yeah. would be like oh 
you know, black people don't like writing documentation. Yeah. Because, well, we had this black guy work for us once and he didn't like writing documentation. Well, okay. <laughs> so you kind of feel like you have to like everything. You have to, you have to join everything because otherwise someone's going to go, well, we hired a woman once, but you know, they just don't do testing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. For, but for me, they'll be just like, Adam doesn't write good tests. We, yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're not representing uh, your whole group. Another thing you, you said was about doing the work that that was one of your life lessons. Yep. I'm a person who is very spiky and very streaky. And when I'm hot, I can do in half a day what no one else could do in a week. And that's amazing. That's taken me a lot of places. But it means that there's some weeks when I spend four and a half days not doing anything. And that's kind of a waste, right? And you can tell yourself, like, I need to get ramped up and I need to get, like, emotionally ready to tackle this thing. Or I I can't talk to X until they come into the office. But sooner or later, you have to actually do whatever it is you're supposed to do. And uh, I remember getting really behind on a project and I had to just come clean to the client. And I, and I said, it's just amazing how long something takes to get finished when you're not working on it. You said that to a client? I did. I told him the truth, which is <laughs> I was just not working on your stuff. And uh, if you want me to finish it, I'll, I'll, I will. But this is where we are. And they said, yeah, because no one else in the world can do this and we really need it. And, and it would have been nice if we could have had it a couple of weeks ago, but we really need it. So I did it. Uh, but I had to be honest with myself too, right? I just wasn't doing it. Uh, because that's the downside. If you're not careful, instead of having a week where you have a half a day of amazing and four and a half days of nothing, what if you had five days of nothing? Then that's a very bad place. So, um, so there are lots of ways to be happier and to get help and to get support and to be productive about not wasting windows and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't take away from the fact that sometimes you need to put your fingers on the keyboard and press until the appropriate pixels appear on the screen. That makes a lot of sense. So another thing you said was that you thought um, that people just aren't, people are afraid to admit when they work hard at things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We want to teach our kids to work hard and get stuff done. And we want to teach that 20 year old in the same office as us to work hard and get stuff done. And yet if you look at um, heroes, like someone's doing a conference talk or whatever, they're all like, oh yeah, I just threw this demo together on the plane Um, or they pretend they're making the demo up on the spot. I work really hard as a conference speaker. I rehearse my talks. I write my demos very carefully. I run them over and over and over until I know they will absolutely positively work and I know all the ways they can break and what to do about it. And uh, everybody works. And sometimes things are hard and the only solution is to roll your sleeves up and work on it. And so um, there's a real trend. There's a couple of people who are being really open about how much time they're putting into this open source library, not just, oh, I flung this together because I was frustrated because there was no decent, I don't know, JSON parser because there's only 4 million JSON parsers on the planet. So I, I flung together <laughs> this JSON parser and I stuck it up here and you guys can have it if you want. And that that's becoming less of the norm now and there's more of people saying, I, I, I put in a lot of time looking for something and I, I tried this and it didn't work and I tried that and it didn't work. So I decided to write my own and it's still not perfect. It'd be great if you could join me. I got a bunch of open issues and less of the sort of superhero who just tossed it together in five minutes. Why, why do people want the superhero persona? Like what? Well, how smart, how smart must you be? Right. Um, You're not some like peasant who just toils, you know, like (laughs) 
a million monkeys could type Shakespeare if you gave them long enough. And that there's something, yeah, plotting and every day about, yeah, I, I, I wrote this talk and the first time I gave it, it was 90 minutes. So I took some stuff out and then it was too short. So I put some stuff back in. You know, you know that sounds boring. That sounds like you're an accountant or something. People talk about talent and about someone's a natural and, and that somehow is better than being someone who just practiced a lot. Yeah. You know, maybe some people do think a certain way. Maybe that's not because of how they were born, but because of how they were raised. And maybe you could learn to think that way. And I love C++ Twitter. I'm a super happy member of C++ Twitter, but we do play that from time to time. You know, um, here's some really cursed C++. What does it do? And uh, especially things involving the comma operator, the comma operator in, in C++ is, don't, don't get me started. It, it creates very deceptive code. And I, I do sometimes say like, you know, if there's like a 19-year-old reading this, they're going to think this is a difficult language. And it doesn't have to be a difficult language at all. In fact, my, my teaching, my online teaching especially, because I reach more people there, is all about like, please do not listen to the people who told you this was difficult. C++ doesn't have to be difficult. And I actually can teach it as a first language to people who nice. know no other programming language. Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm a Scala developer and people criticize it for being a complex language. But I feel like I can always point to C++ and be there. (laughs) (laughs) I did a keynote called It's Complicated because C++ is complicated. And we write complicated code in it sometimes and for a variety of reasons. I mean, I I got code bases that are are 25 years old. And Mm. certain things that are wonderful that I use every day today were added to the language in those 25 years. So some parts of the of the code base are struggling by to get a job done. They were written at a time when a particular keyword didn't exist. So they, they're doing it a hard way. They're doing it a long way. And then nobody wants to fix it. It's not broken. It's just ugly. Um, or if it is broken, after 25 years, the broken is now the good, right? So you read this, this variety of code styles. Uh, every day, if you're in in my corner of the world, where you, it's, some stuff's almost pure C, and some stuff is much much more modern. It's got templates. It's const correct. It's great. And then you turn the page or open the next file, and then oh, we're in this land again. Okay. <laughs> I think like a large enough and old enough code base is just like a city. There's like uh, yes, here's, here's like old Montreal, and there's no plumbing here and whatever. Oh, here's the more modern area and. Right. That's that's a really good analogy. That's right. Yeah. There's there's the place where the ceilings are too low and you and you can't get through the doors and then there's the places where everything's all chrome and glass and yeah. Yeah. And then like weird in between like in this place they thought like art deco was the future. Like they, there's this 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 C++ is just all template metaprogramming. There's nothing <laughs> Yeah. There's nothing else. And like, yeah. yeah, definitely. Or or someone just learned this technique and just had to use it everywhere whether it fit or yeah. not. Yes. <laughs> I forget where we were, Kate. I gotta be honest. <laughs> I think I think we did all five to tell you the truth. Let me just Yeah. We did we did all five, you know, like if the constraints are imaginary, you don't have to respect them, uh, if, especially if you're the one who made them up. Um if the constraints are real, then then you do respect them and you you arrange things so that when you have your window of freedom you use it. Uh, you'd be happy. Happy is good. Let people help you and roll your sleeves up, you know, 
one one of the great ways to get a lot done is to do a lot. So use the scented soaps, learn to breathe underwater, focus on the positive, have and use your support system. And last, but probably most important, do the work. There's one other tip that Kate has. Actually, it's a funny story about coding while angry. We'll end with that. But first, I wanted to ask her about her cancer diagnosis. Yeah, uh, that was a thing. Uh, we live in the future. I went to Princess Margaret and I went to um, a specialist there in immunotherapy, which is a relatively new thing. And um, he gave me a pair of drugs that at the time were not approved as, as treatment. So it was a study. And they worked. Um, I was actually admitted to the hospital in October. They got me stable and they got me my first treatment. And within two weeks, all my pain was gone and my symptoms were gone. I I ended up on the treatment for a year uh, to make sure that everything really was gone. But the general consensus is, yeah, it's all gone. And uh, that's why I say we live in the future. (laughs) I, I didn't actually know that there was like like miracle cures for cancer out there. Like I didn't know. So um, melanomas, you get on all the time on your skin. You get a funny mole. And by the time you remember to talk to the doctor about it, it's disappeared and you say, oh, well. And in fact, they never found what they call my primary tumor on the surface of my skin because your immune system knows how to clean them up. And it does. Uh, The problem is when you get a metastasis, if it gets big enough, it develops a way to hide from your immune system. And so Sorry about that. And so uh, what the drugs do is they uh, interfere with this sort of cloaking mechanism and they ramp up your immune system. And between them, your immune system destroys all the tumors. Uh, I was also lucky because I had uh, tumors in my leg. This doesn't sound lucky. (laughs) Um, But they irradiated those. They were very, very worried that I was going to have my hips shatter uh, because all the bone was going to be dissolved by tumors. So I got radiation in my leg, and that has been shown to improve the success of the immunotherapy by blasting apart the tumor and basically priming your immune system to recognize it. Um, so that's possibly one of the reasons why I ended up with a complete response. So um, uh. we, They don't say cured in cancer. <laughs> um, and in melanoma, they don't say remission, but they do say complete response, which means all your tumors are gone. And durable, complete response, which means even though you're not being treated, your tumors have not come back, which is where I appear to be. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Why don't they say that you're cured? Or- um, so when, the day I met this doctor, he said, he said to me, oh, we're going to do this treatment and that treatment. And, and I've been spending a lot of time crying. And he said, uh, you know, a lot of my, my patients respond well to this treatment. And I said something fairly bitter, like, yeah, for a while. And uh, and he said, no, no. He said, I got a lot of patients who I'm waiting for them to die of old age because only then can I record that they were in fact cured. He said, that's my plan for you. So wow. I liked that plan. <laughs> and uh, and that's the deal. You know, if I if I manage to be ninety, and and you know, die in my sleep or get hit by a car or something, at that point they will finally put, you know, a one in the win column. Uh, but not until then. Well, I, I hope they get to do that. <laughs> That's my plan. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you did you share all these lessons with your with your children? That was the goal, wasn't it? So I didn't have to because of the whole not dying thing. I figure I got thirty years to continue to dole them out. Uh, certainly, 
Uh, my daughter has a child, and I certainly told her to sleep when the baby sleeps. Yeah. Um, and I have told both of them uh, to take advantage of support networks, both technically and personally. Some of the other stuff, yeah, we'll get there. So after Kate's miracle cure, she starts feeling like she can give more keynote, more high-level idea talks, kind of like the talk we've been having here today. I was actually invited to keynote meeting C++ before I got sick. Uh, Jens, who runs Meeting C++, is a super organized guy. And, and he approached me and said, two years from now, will you keynote for me? And uh, enough time went by that I could get sick, get my miracle treatment, get better, be, free, be cleared to travel, compose a keynote, fly to Germany and deliver the keynote. And it was, it was pretty technical, but, but it had this sort of germ of uh, philosophy. And it was, people liked it. People said, will you come and keynote ours? And so I, I spent about a year talking about simplicity. What, what does it mean if your code is simple? And why is that a goal that you might want to aspire for? And so I did a talk <laughs> called Emotional Code, which I often tell people is, subtitle is, I can tell you were angry when you wrote this. Uh, the example that I, that I use in the talk, it says, undo Steve's nonsense. That's the name of the function. And I did see this in production. It wasn't Steve, and it also didn't say nonsense. Uh, but there's some words you can't put in, in slides. <laughs> <laughs> and someone checked that in, right? With their actual coworker's name and a swear word. So like, I don't know, let's say it was copying a file over to the archive directory. Undo Steve's nonsense moves the file back out of the archive directory, back to where it was before. And then later, you know, it ends up in the archive. So it gets done three times. And this system does a bunch of steps, undoes all those steps, and then later, at what the second programmer thought was the right time, it does all those steps again. Think of the CPU cycles being wasted because two people couldn't agree what order to do something in, which to a C++ person is just the worst. Yeah, there is a team, <laughs> there's a team issue there for sure, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and probably both uh, Steve, who isn't really Steve, and whoever wrote the function are long gone. Yeah. And it's only when someone like me comes in and says, what is happening here that sort of it all comes to light? Wow. And so, yeah, these are kind of soft skills in a way in managing and, and uh, building a strong team that can count on each other. But they're very technical in that we're talking about, I'll make your, I'll make your application run faster or use less memory or blow up less often. I feel like the, the idea talk or whatever you want to call it, like that was one of your scented soaps. You were afraid to do one and then you were like... You know hey, what? No one said that to me before, and I think you're right. That's that's interesting. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if if all developers were more like cognizant of their mortality, would that be useful? I don't know. <laughs> How would the world be different? I, certain apps would not get built, right? <laughs> Just you know, what are you leaving behind as your legacy? Um, certain apps would not get built. Um, certain companies, I think, would also lose all their staff. I mean, you know, imagine you work for a game company and they're crunching. And um, you're, you're crunching in March so that the product can sell well in Christmas, but you're, you're going to die in June. You're going to crunch yeah. in March? You're not going to crunch in March. <laughs> um, so, yeah, some things would change. People, we put up with stuff because we believe there will be time later when we won't be putting up with that. And that's really what happens when you stare mortality in the face is you realize there will not be time later without that. 
Um, so if you would like some time without that, you need to cause that to happen right now. And that, that brings a bravery that is not there in day-to-day life. All right, that was the show. I hope you liked Kate's story. Uh, Kate wants to give a shout out for Include CPP. It's includecpp.org and uh, CPPCon, which is happening in September, I believe. And probably Include CPP will be giving away some scholarships to remotely attend it. Um, so check out both of those. And, you know, if you liked the episode, if you like the podcast, uh, yeah, tell, tell your friends who you think might also like it. Um, supposedly podcasts spread through word of mouth. That is what I've been told. All right. And until next time, uh, thank you so much for listening.